I have a promise from all high that my soul will never die. I can say I've been redeemed by his blood. And when old Gable's trumpet sang and all the saints leave the grave, then I'll meet my blessed Savior on a cloud.
Thank you, men, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us for worship today. These flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning are from the garden of Irene Murray, and so we thank her for, for these flowers and the beauty that they add to the sanctuary as we worship today. For our call to worship today, I'm going to be reading from the book of Romans. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Our theme for the week while we were at Student Life Camp was access, and it was based from this passage of Scripture. And so I want to read now from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. The first half of our week in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, we talked about this access that we have been granted into the family of God. And the second half of the week that we were there, we talked about sharing our faith. We talked about being disciples of Christ and making disciples of Christ as we talked about discipleship. Today in Boiling Springs Baptist Church, as we come together to worship, let us remember and be grateful to a God who has granted us access into God's family. And as we leave today, later this afternoon, may we go out into the world and do what Christ has called each of us to be disciples and to make disciples. We're glad that you're here with us for worship today. We read in the New Testament, in several different Gospels, that John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, beginning verse 13, we find these words of Jesus' baptism. Jesus arrived from Galilee and Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have, tried, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said this, said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, and I am well pleased. Jesus set the example for us in communicating the importance of baptism. Paul's words in Romans 6, beginning in verse 3, say this, for do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We have two young men who come today to profess their faith in Jesus Christ. They made professions of faith at Vacation Bible School, and this morning they are coming to make that next step of obedience to following Jesus Christ. We talked this morning, and I remind them and challenge you as a congregation this morning, that we constantly need to be asking ourselves, what is that next step? And for these two young men, that next step is baptism. That next step maybe will be church membership. That next step will be uh, growth and study, and learning more about what it means to follow Jesus. And I told them we're all doing that each and every day. And so this morning, we have these two who are coming to take that next step. First, we have Stephen Thomas Callahan. 
We talked at Vacation Bible School with Stephen Thomas and with a lot of other boys and girls about what it means to follow Jesus. And Stephen Thomas said, I'm ready. And I want to do that. So Stephen Thomas, I ask you this morning, and who have you put your faith and trust in for salvation? Stephen Thomas, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in His death, and risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. Next we have Brayton Green. Brayton also responded to Jesus this summer in Bible school. And uh, we talked this morning about this morning about, again, about the fact that um, the scripture I read in Romans about we are buried with Christ in his death and risen to walk in newness of life. And baptism in the waters of baptism are symbolic of leaving that old life behind and choosing now to follow Jesus Christ. So, great, I ask you, in whom have you put your faith and trust in for salvation? Jesus. Okay. I baptize you, great, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death. Risen to walk and do this in life. Amen. This morning is hymn number 297, Here I Am to Worship. 297, if you are able, please stand and join in singing.
As I ask the children to come forward, I also ask the members of the Guatemala Mission Team to join us at the front for part of our commissioning service. All right, guys, it's so good to see you today. Does anybody know what this is? It is a globe. Come back down one step, Julian, there you go. Well, on this globe, I have a heart. Do you see my hearts? There is a heart right here, and you live right here where this heart is. Can you see that? That's where we live. Okay, shh, just a minute. Shh. Then way down here is another heart. Do you see this heart right here? This is a little teeny tiny place right here, and it says Guatemala. And Silas and Callan and Levi and Ella and Claire's mom and dad are going all the way from this heart all the way down to this heart. And do you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be sharing God's love. We think about sharing our love here, but they're going to get on a plane early in the morning and they're going to go all the way down here to this heart right here. When they all saw a plane going to South America. You saw a plane going to South America. Now I bet that's a long trip too, Luke. <clears throat> you flew all the way to Florida, didn't you? Yes, you did. But over here on the wall, they're going to take something really special with them. Luke, do you, can you tell the people what that is? What's on that piece of paper? What's on those cloths? Handprints. Handprints. And some of those are your handprints. And they're going to wrap that up and they're going to take it with you. And when they get down there, Heather can say, there's three handprints on there that belong to my boys. And a little boy or a little girl in Guatemala can put her hand on that quilt and she can almost touch Callan and touch Silas or Claire or James or Jude. It's a gift of love from all of y'all to all the children in Guatemala. That's how special we think our trip from God's love here in Boiling Springs to sharing our God's love all the way to Guatemala. A lot of, that's exactly right, Levi. A lot of them don't have a mom and daddy and they live in an orphanage. And our team, all these people in these bright green shirts, are going down there to share God's love. Mr. John there, he's going down there to work on a tractor. And he is, you see that smile on his face? He is so happy because he's got something to do that he actually does here too. And your mom, Callan and Levi and Silas, might have to get some Band-Aids out because she's a nurse. But everybody going has a special job put here in their heart by God. And they are going to go down there and share their hearts 
and share their hands with the children and the people in Guatemala. Is that not awesome? When you get to be big, you might could do that too. You might could get on a big plane and go. All right, I want all the Guatemala team to come up front here so everybody can see them. And we're gonna go over there and sit on the front row. Go back and sit on the row where we were. Go back and sit on the row where we were. Come on, James and Jude, come sit with us. As the team comes up, good morning, boys and girls. As the team comes up, I wanna once again just thank the church and thank our community as well. Many who are, aren't not, are not here, who have supported us, uh, many of you financially, and then many of you as well through your thoughts and prayers. And uh, we are excited about the tasks that lie before us. Uh, Joanne and Heather will be spending some time in the orphanage for a couple days caring for children. So you can remember them specifically in that way. And we just want to challenge you and encourage you, if you have not signed up to be a prayer partner, please do so. And you could pull out, if you say sign up for Joanne, you could pull out a little slip that Joanne's written for you that will tell you how you can pray for her. And so we just certainly appreciate your thoughts and prayers as we embark this Saturday morning at 2.30 a.m. And I would expect most of you to be there at that time to send us off. Uh, in prayer. Uh, I've already received some negative feedback about that from some, but uh, should you so desire, you're welcome to join us. But I understand if you're not there, but wanted to extend that invitation. But keep us in your thoughts and prayers this week. We will be doing some construction, like I said, and we do have a few that will actually be spending some time with some children there in the orphanage. And so pray for our conversations, both as we travel in the airports and of course as we're there in Guatemala as well. Thank you for your support. Elizabeth Pack, uh, I'm, I'm going to say while she is, this, if this is okay, while she is praying our prayer, her heart is with us. And as we leave for Guatemala, her heart is still with us. And while we're there, her heart's with us. Uh, but she uh, hates that she cannot go this year, but went with us last year. And uh, I did not second guess at all who should be leading our commissioning prayer. But Elizabeth, thank you for your willingness to do that. In Romans 10, Paul asks these words, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Go with me in prayer. Gracious God, we are grateful for the day. We are particularly grateful for the opportunity to come to your house, to come and worship you freely, to praise you for all that you are, that all you have been and all that you will be. Lord, we are particularly grateful for these 10 that you have chosen and have set apart to go to Guatemala. Lord, we are thankful that they heard the call, that they heeded the question, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? We praise you, Lord, for setting them apart on our behalf. Lord, even now, continue to prepare them, their hearts, their minds, their bodies, their spirit, as they seek to do your will and to share your love with those in Guatemala. Lord, we pray for the people in Guatemala that you are sending them to serve. Lord, prepare their hearts and their minds 
to be open to what will be shared with them this next week or the week of the August that this team will be there. Lord, we ask that your providence, your presence, that your hand be upon each of these 10 and all of those that will be impacted by their work. Lord, we ask only that your will be done. We also ask, Lord, that you would protect our team that is going, that they would have the mercies that only you can provide and the protection that you can provide as they travel. Prepare the way as you are already doing. Precious Lord, thank you again for this day, for your love for each of us, and for this team and their willingness to go and serve you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, please stand and join in singing 509.
Before we pray this morning, I just wanted to mention quickly some prayer concerns throughout our church. Anne Lancaster um, is currently in Shelby. She is recovering from a broken ankle, um, and so we want to continue to keep her in our prayers. Uh, Sarah Lemons is recovering from a double hernia surgery, and so we want to remember her as well. And then also we want to extend our sympathy to Ed Beeson. Um, Ed's brother-in-law, Cecil Ledford, passed away, and the services will be this afternoon at High Shoals Baptist Church. And so we want to keep all of those in our prayers and also others that you may be aware of um, and yourself as you bring your own concerns and worries as we gather here for worship today. Would you join me now as we pray together? Our God, we are grateful that we have another day where we have breath in our lungs and another day where we gather together to worship your name. We are grateful for this church and the people that are here today. For those who are not here today, we lift them up in prayer. For those who are sick, for those who are recovering from surgery, for those who are dealing with grief and loss, Lord, we trust them in your hands as a God who promises to bring peace and comfort and love. Lord, as we come to this portion of our service, I pray that each of us would reach into our own lives to think of the ways that we can contribute to our church and to our community. Lord, help us to give as we see fit of our money, of our time, of our abilities. Lord, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room, each of us still have a place in the kingdom of God and in this church. Each of us in this room has an, can have an impact and can make a difference. And I pray that you would show us how we can do that for Boiling Springs Baptist Church and for our community. Lord, be with us now as we worship the rest of this morning. I pray that each of us would be receptive of your spirit and your presence as we worship your name. I pray that everything that we do this morning would be honoring and pleasing to build up your kingdom and not our own. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen. Yeah. 
Good morning. Our message today is about dreams. How many of you ever have a dream? Probably all of us have dreams. Sometimes they're, we don't even remember them once we wake up. Sometimes we have dreams who, that might have significance to us. Throughout the Bible, we're told about how God reveals certain things to certain people through dreams. So I'd like to share with you some scriptures this morning that uh, relate to dreams. Like begin with Genesis chapter 37, verses five through 10. It's located on page 32 of your Pew Bible. And I'm reading from the Pew Bible and the print's real small. So unlike the preacher, I need to take my glasses off. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they only hated him the more. He said to them, hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaves arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered round it and bowed down to my sheaves. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him yet more for his dream and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. And they said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when, his brother, but when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is it, this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And then we'll go over to the New Testament. In Matthew, it's on page 835 of your pew Bible. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then continuing in Matthew 2, verses 13 through 15. It's on page 836 of your pew Bible. Now when he had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then verses 19 through 21. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. On now so I can get to my seat. This summer we have 
done something a little, I hope, fun for you and a little bit different, but we've uh, been in the midst of a sermon series called The Unseen World. And God and His Spirit is moving around us, moving within us, moving within the world in which we find ourselves today. And so there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but we spent the majority of our time on heaven, a little bit on hell. We talked a lot about angels and a little bit about demons. And this morning we find ourselves with the mysterious topic that deals with these images and these stories that we often have that sometimes make sense and sometimes do not with the subject of dreams. These dreams are certainly mysterious, but yet an important part at times for God's unseen world. I'm not going to answer all your questions about that, about uh, dreams and everything that you might have about that today, but I do hope that in the midst of the sermon today and the message that you draw something that you can take uh, home with you in your spiritual journey. A significant and meaningful dreams occur throughout scriptures in the lives of biblical heroes. I appreciate Tommy reading about the Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament Joseph and the the dreams that were there, and we're certainly going to look at others today. Question for all of you this morning. Tommy kind of asked you that, but let me ask you today. How many of you in here this morning can remember a dream that you had last night? Three, four. Okay, that proves the statistics. This week, research tells us around 95% of the people cannot remember dreams when they wake up. So that would be about right, that a few of you can remember some dreams. Let me ask you another question. How many of you in your lifetime would say that God has spoken to you in a dream and you know for a fact that God was speaking to you in that dream? Would you raise your hand? I see more hands going up and my hand is going up as well. And I'll share with you a very significant story uh, near the end of our time this morning of when uh, that that took place. I want to be very clear as I start this peculiar in many ways sermon on dreams. I want to be very clear. Uh, Some of the dreams that we have, do not think, let me say it this way, do not think that God is speaking to you through every dream that you have. Some dreams are just plain weird. Amen. They're just strange. They are. And it could have been something spicy that you ate at the Mexican restaurant here in town before you went to bed late at night. It could have been something you watched on TV. It could be medication. It could be stress. It could be sorting out the day, but some, some dreams just simply don't make sense. It may be that you're, you're reading the church bulletin a little too close, and let me explain what happened. Friday night, I woke up. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about windows and reading about windows, right, in the bulletin. Well, I dreamed, and where's Rodney Nolan? There you are. I dreamed Friday night that I was cautioning Rodney Nolan, be careful coming down the ladder. He was coming down way too fast, and he told me he had to get up there and look at the new windows that were installed. So Rodney, I don't think that was a message from God, but just in case it was, be careful on the ladders, okay? Um, But that's what I mean. Some dreams, you just, you can't make sense of them. They're just, they're strange or they're a little bit different. Uh, I had a recent dream a couple months ago, and I started doing this years ago when dreams started being of interest to me, because sometimes I think they do mean something. And in a moment, someone's going to come and help us shed a little bit more light on that psychologically. But... um, I, I had a dream, and so now I start to write them down. I keep pen and paper by my bed, and if I have a dream, I kind of write it down, and so I can kind of evaluate what's going on in my life, why did I have that dream, and this type of thing. But a few, I'd say a couple months ago, I recalled in preparations for this sermon a dream that I had, and bear with me, uh, I used to skateboard when I was in middle school. It's true, I did. But so in the dream, I'm skateboarding behind a bus. I'm holding onto the bus. It's going down the interstate about 65 miles an hour, and I'm just kind of holding onto the bus. And what was, what was strange about this is not the obvious, but is what maybe is not, is that in the dream, I'm thinking, this is normal. 
I mean, it's, I'm okay. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't scared at all. And so, and what's even more strange about it, and again, these dreams are crazy. And so I, I tapped someone on the head inside the bus saying, it's your turn. And it was like, okay. So they were going to switch. I was going to go in the bus and they were going to come back and hold on to the bus going down the interstate. And so for those of you that have a background in psychology, you're probably psychoanalyzing me right now. And that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, but it, so I had to evaluate and think about, is this just a crazy dream or was there some symbol, was there something mi- meaningful that I need to take away from, from what happened in the dream? Let me ask you this question. How many of you have had reoccurring dreams in your lifetime? I see more hands, probably the most hands that went up on that one. I remember as a child, around 10 years old, I grew up near East Henderson High School, there in Henderson County, near Flat Rock. And uh, I remember this reoccurring dream that I would often have as a child. And I think it probably had something to do with some fears that I had uh, for some reason. But I was in my dad's 19, yellow 1973 Buick LeSabre. I mean, this is a big tank of a car, okay? And I'm 10 years old. I'm driving the car down a hill near my parents' house. And in the rearview mirror, I see a big log truck barreling down behind me. And I would always wake up just before the log truck were to run into the car. But nevertheless, that was a reoccurring dream that I had, like I said, as a child, and I think had some significance probably with some things that, that I was going through. But as we begin this morning, I, again, I want to remind you of the significance of God speaking to individuals through dreams in Scripture. Dreams have never been God's primary form of communication but yet he does at times speak to us through dreams. The Bible indicates that God revealed his will to selected people through dreams or visions in scripture. I appreciate Tommy reading two of those this morning. We have the Joseph in the Old Testament who dreams of the sheaves and his brother sheaves and uh, they were bowing down to him and, and it, it, he was already the favorite child. His brothers were already jealous of him and so it didn't work out too well for Joseph. And most of you know the story. If you don't, spend some time reading it this afternoon but it starts there in Genesis 37. But Joseph had other dreams as he was thrown in prison and then he interpreted dreams and he is all about dreams. And so as I began my studies on this a few weeks ago, uh, we, we look at the New Testament Joseph, and we see that as well. We see uh, the New Testament Joseph wanting to dismiss Mary uh, because she was found to be with child, and then he had a dream from an angel, again, which we talked about a few weeks ago, telling him that uh, this child is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Do not dismiss her. Take her to be your wife. So he did. Then he receives another dream after a few weeks that tells him to take Mary and the baby down to Egypt. And then after a time down there, he receives another dream that it's okay to bring the baby back to Israel. We also, uh, was unmentioned in there or not read this morning, but we also have a dream of the wise men. Do you remember that? They received a dream that told them, don't go back to King Herod. It was go find this new child and come back and report to me, King Herod, right? But I think we all know King Herod's intentions were not good. And so the wise men received this message in a dream and began to go another direction. We also have other characters in the Old Testament who received dreams. Daniel would be at the top of that list as well. And Nebuchadnezzar, not only did Daniel himself had dreams, but he interpreted the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. And so you could spend some time looking at those. But one other significant dream in the Old Testament, we don't have time to mention them all, but in 1 Kings 3, verses 5 through 15, we learn of Solomon. And I call this Solomon's blank check dream. Basically, God... revealed himself to Solomon in a dream and said, you can ask of me anything you want. And Solomon recognized the um, significance of his father, David. And he says, I ask that you grant me wisdom and understanding and discernment. And so God granted his request and not only gave him wisdom and understanding and discernment, 
but also gave him riches because he didn't ask for them and gave him many other things, as, as the scripture says, because Solomon, you did not ask for these things, but you asked for wisdom. And so that's in 1 Kings chapter 3, a great, great story. So how do we know if God is speaking to us through our dreams? How do we know if God is speaking to us through our dreams? And before I attempt to answer this question, uh, before we, uh, it's, an important, it's important to understand more regarding some basic psychology of dreams. Knowing that we have someone in our church who can do this far better than I, I have a few weeks ago asked Dr. Linda Green if she would be willing to share briefly with us this morning about some of the psychology behind dreams. And I appreciate her willingness uh, to do this this morning. And um, uh, Linda, thank you for sharing. And so I will attempt to answer the question following her time, how do we know that God, or how can we discern if God is speaking to us through dreams? But Linda, thank you for sharing some light on some things that I, you certainly have greater understanding than I do. Thank you. Keith told me to just pretend that I'm in class um, and, and uh, as I'm sharing this, and I, I told him that that probably isn't a good idea because my classes last three hours. So um, I made notes. I'm going to read the read from the notes and um, and hopefully not stray too far from that and, and uh, go overboard. Um, even from a scientific standpoint, dreams are mysterious. We've learned a great deal in recent years about what happens in the brain during sleep, but many questions remain unanswered. The process of dreaming appears to be essential to our health and to the effective functioning of our brains. Researchers believe that dreaming is vital to learning and memory. One way to think about this process is to compare it to computer maintenance. If you've ever had a problem with your computer, someone has probably advised you to turn it off, wait a minute or two, and then reboot. I can't tell you how many times that has saved me from what appeared to be a disaster. And I've learned that before I call my personal IT guy, Roger, I better have tried that. Um, now, sometimes simply rebooting the computer isn't enough. After a while, our hard drives become cluttered with debris, left over from surfing the internet, downloading files, editing, and deleting documents. If that debris is not periodically cleared out and the drive defragmented, then the computer gets slower and slower and eventually it can't do what it was designed to do. Our brains seem to operate in a similar way. Something like defragmentation appears to happen while we sleep. Information we've encountered throughout the day is sorted through and organized, some of it going into long-term storage and some of it cleared out. This appears to be what happens when we're dreaming, leading some to believe that dreams are nothing more than day residue, random bits of information collected in our brains throughout the day that get woven together in strange ways in our dreams. Such dreams likely have little significance or meaning. Others in the field of psychology disagree with that. In fact, there is a long history of interpreting dreams among psychologists. Perhaps the most famous is Sigmund Freud. He viewed dreams as evidence of our subconscious and unconscious fears, wishes, and desires. 
that what we really want but are afraid to admit comes out in our dreams. There are lots of problems with Freud's ideas, and I won't go into those this morning. Um, but his claim that dreams must be interpreted symbolically and that they represent wish fulfillment, that idea is worth considering. Carl Jung also emphasized the role of the subconscious and unconscious in dreaming, and he added a new concept to the mix, the collective unconscious. Um, Freud's conception of consciousness uh, can be um, often explained using the illustration of the iceberg. The part of the iceberg that's ab above the water represents what's in our direct conscious awareness. That, the part of the iceberg that's just a little bit below the water um, represents the subconscious. That's the information that's just a little beyond our direct awareness, but we can retrieve it with a little bit of effort. The part of the iceberg that's deep below the surface is the unconscious. And that's where Freud believed all of our past memories and experiences are stored, including things that we have repressed because they're too painful to remember or to deal with. If the iceberg represents our personal consciousness, then the water in which the iceberg floats represents Jung's idea of collective unconscious. This includes the memories and experiences of all humanity, past, present, and future, as well as being a conduit through which we might encounter God through our dreams and visions. Uh, Jung had a much more spiritual view of things than Freud did. Modern counselors recognize the significance of dreams and incorporate dream interpretation into counseling sessions. But we tend to do it very differently from the way Freud did. Instead of being an expert who tells the dreamer what their dream means, we tend to ask questions and try to help each person to understand what their dream might really mean to them. As you try to sort through your own dreams and try to figure out what they might mean, um, I put together some, some things that I hope will be helpful to you. Um, that you can use along with the, the biblical guidance that, that Keith is going to share with us. Number one, as a general rule, we don't remember most of our dreams. That was illustrated clearly in the question Keith asked earlier. If you want to remember your dreams, the way that, that Keith is uh, um, trying to do that for himself is, is what psychologists recommend that um, you make a note of your dream as soon as you wake up. You can do that by writing it down, um, maybe making a voice recording of it, or tell someone else about it before you even get out of bed with as much detail as possible. And this helps you to remember um, important details. Number two, you might be wondering how to tell whether a dream is important or not, whether it's worth thinking about and trying to analyze. Um, I would say if it feels important to you, it probably is. There's a reason that you're drawn to that dream. And so when that happens, think about the feelings that the dream brings up for you, the people and the images in the dream and what they might represent, and then finally, the message that the dream might be sending. An example might be helpful here. 
Imagine that you've had a dream in which you're driving down the interstate and you're being chased by another car. You're quickly changing lanes, trying to maneuver, get away, escape from this car, um, and, and you're just desperately trying to get away. So what might this mean? Well, if you recently watched a TV show or a movie that included a car chase, then that dream's probably day residue. Pro probably nothing more than that. Um, but there are other possible interpretations. Um, an example that might represent Freud's idea of wish fulfillment would be that the car represents somebody or some group of people um, that you're trying to get away from. Some, somebody you wish would leave you alone and you're, you're running away. Um, or maybe a responsibility that you're trying to avoid. Um, the dream might also indicate anxiety or fear with the car chasing you representing a particular stressor in your life that you aren't sure how to handle. Um, and, and lastly, as you think about your dreams, be sure to listen for God's voice. Try to sort through the possibilities that the dream is the result of day residue or simple wish fulfillment before you consider con attributing it to divine guidance. Um, however, in the example of the car chase dream, if you have eliminated those possibilities, the possibility of day residue and, and wish fulfillment or a, an example of a current problem, you might interpret that dream as representing some way in which you're running away from God, but God is still pursuing you and trying to get your attention. Pay attention to the possibility that the dream is prompting you to reach out to someone or to take a particular action. For example, if you dream about someone you haven't seen in a long time or haven't even thought about in a long time, maybe God is prompting you to reach out to that person or to pray for that person if it's reaching out to him is not an option. And then finally, if you want, to, if you want God to speak to you through your dreams, it can be helpful to prepare for that possibility as you get ready for bed. Spend some time in prayer, asking God to open your mind and your heart as you sleep. Thank you, Linda. When, as she said earlier, uh, when I asked her to speak, and I, she said she was, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, she was a little bit nervous, and she even said it. She said, well, I said, just think of it as your classroom. And she said, I don't think you want me to do that. I teach for about three hours. So, Linda, on behalf of the church and me, thank you for sharing briefly this morning and helping us. Uh, to uh, get a better idea, certainly sharing some things that I uh, could not. And so thank you for that. Um, very helpful things. So thank you, Linda. One of the things that uh, I want to say, or let me I'll ask this in two ways. So uh, again, so what do we learn about dreams from Scripture? And how do we know if God is speaking to us in our dreams? Let me remind you of a few things uh, that Scripture does say about dreams. God often uses dreams to provide direction to people in Scripture. We see that with Joseph in the Old Testament. We see with Joseph in the New Testament. We saw it with King Solomon. We see it with other dreams that we find in Scripture with Daniel um, and others. And so God can often use our dreams, and I think Linda alluded to that, to provide us some direction as we begin to process what we remember from our dream, um, what decisions are before us, maybe in our home, with our family, uh, maybe with community, with jobs, uh, with the decision that we just are wrestling with. And so God can use dreams to provide us that sense, sense of direction. 
Next, let me be very clear about this and what I'm about to say. Scripture and the Holy Spirit have always been God's primary ways of communicating with his, pe- with his people. So when, we are asking our, so, so when we are asking ourselves if this dream is from God, we need to carefully check any such guidance we receive with Scripture and with godly counsel to be sure that it is from the Lord. Uh, anything which contradicts Scripture is not from God. If you, there's something very obvious that happens in your dream and you wake up and God wants me to go hurt this person. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want you to do that. Don't do that. Um, but we need to carefully analyze what happened in our dream with what we know and what we find in Scripture. And God will give us some great clarity as we begin to do that. God is not a God of confusion. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 reminds us that in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets that, um, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So not only does God speak through our Old Testament prophets, but of course God speaks through his son, Jesus Christ, and the written word that we have there in our New Testament. God can also use dreams to encourage us. And some of you at times have been encouraged, I would think, if you could communicate with me about that through your dreams. It may have been a family member. May have been a, a, a family member that um, is no longer with us, no longer with you. And since somehow, in some way, you woke up with the greatest peaceful feeling having interacted with that family member in your dream. Or maybe it was just some encouragement that you needed and God spoke to you in some way through your dream. And the last thing, or one of the things, last things I wanted to mention is Christians, we must guard the information that comes into our mind. And Linda referenced this, alluded to this in her sermon. Or, yes, your sermon today. Um, but, you know, Philippians 4, 8 reminds us, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever, thing, um, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Our dreams can play tricks on us. If we're filling our minds with terrible things before we go to bed and as soon as we wake up and throughout the day, all that clutter is going to translate probably into some dreams that that are not healthy. And um, so how can we, throughout the day, when she talks about the clutter, fill our mind and fill our lives with things that are positive? I shared with you that I'm going to, that I wanted to share a significant dream when I know, I've had several that I feel got with from God, but there's one that is probably the strongest one that I've ever had, and I wanted to share that story with you as I begin to close. But in 1996, I was a senior at Gardner-Webb University, um, 95 the fall, 96 the spring semester, and I was contacted by my home church, East Flat Rock First Baptist, about their open position of youth minister, if I wanted to serve as part-time youth minister. I didn't feel right about that during my senior year. I just, I did not. I was involved in focus. I was involved in so many different things. I also wanted to try my best to finish strong. And so I, I turned it down and I said, you know, I, I really don't think the timing is right with that. As the semester draw, drew to a close, I knew that I needed to get my feet wet more with, with youth ministry, if that's where I was headed, where that's where I felt called. And so I spent the summer as a um, summer youth intern at First Baptist Church High Point, North Carolina under then Pastor Dr. Al Cadenhead. It was a wonderful summer. It was a great experience. But during that summer, obviously, again, as I talked about in the baptismal pool, and we'll continue to talk about, what is that next step for Keith? What is that next step after my summer internship? My whole life is before me. What would God have me to do? I had been thinking about and considering seminary, so I continued to pray about that for that summer. And as the summer went on, I applied and was accepted at Gardner Divinity School. And so I knew now that I was coming back to Garden Webb to start my Master's of Divinity. 
So I therefore made contact with my home church. I knew they were still without a youth pastor, and I said, do you want to talk? And they did. And so one thing led to the other, and I had a tremendous peace, and God bless the years that I had there at my home church. So you're saying, well, where's the dream in that? I'm, I'm getting there. Um, that senior year of 1996, 95-96, I had been praying Isaiah 40, 31, which says, those who wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. I had been meditating on that verse. I had been praying that verse, trying to fill my mind, as Linda was saying, with the things of God. As we talked about uh, our theme verse for this whole Unseen World sermon series was think about those things uh, above, not things below. Um, and I'm realizing how these two connect so well now. But this Isaiah passage, again, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will mount up as wings like eagles. They'll run and not go weary and they will walk and not faint. So I've been thinking about that verse, meditating on that verse. And in the midst of the conversation with my home church about coming home to serve as youth minister, I had a dream. And the dream was uh, I was flying basically in the backyard of First Baptist East Flat Rock. And how that is significant to me is that during my junior and senior year of high school, I would be there when the after-school kids at our church's daycare got off the bus with the other teacher, and we would provide snack, and then we would immediately go outside and play kickball and dodgeball and whatever it was that kids played in the backyard. And the greatest thing, too, I got paid for it. It was great. Um, I got paid to play after school. And so to me, it wasn't just, oh, I'm flying over the backyard of the church. To me, it was I'm flying over the backyard with some kids who would be in my youth group at my home church. And so having grown up there, having spent time with them, and then now coming back to serve them as a youth minister, to me, I woke up that morning with no doubt in my mind that God was in this and that God was leading me to go and to serve uh, in this way at my home church. Um, it was one of the most powerful dreams and significant dreams, I would say, God dreams that I've had. Um, these were kids who, uh, I'd say a good handful out of about 20 to 30 kids, there's three, four, or five of them that have went into ministry. Some are still there today and others have served as youth volunteers and, and are involved in the churches, whether it's East Flat Rock now. Uh, one of my former youth is currently serving as a youth minister there, or if it's in other churches and serving God in other ways. And so it was a tremendous time in my life where I can look back and say, you know what? God spoke to me and confirmed the direction that I should go uh, in the midst of a dream, and I am grateful for that, for that dream. I want to close by just offering another thought about dreams. And that is, I don't know how many of you are aware of, um, in the Middle East, and predominantly in a Muslim culture and a Muslim population, how many people today, and I don't know the numbers on this, but I do know that significant numbers of people of the Islamic faith are coming to faith in Christ through dreams. Uh, ministers at times in conferences or in literature and things that I would read are encouraged to pray for the Muslim people to have dreams. And I read this week of a couple named Amir and Rasha with their two children who fled the war in Syria. And since 2012, they've been living in a tent. Amir shares it is not an easy life. About a year ago, my wife's mother was killed by a sniper when she went out to have some fresh air. My wife's brother was killed on his way home. The life of this family was and still is hard, but recently they found light in their life. And hear this, about three months ago, I was given a vision of Jesus Christ, Rasha shares. I was sleeping, and this is the, the lady, I was sleeping and all of a sudden I saw Jesus Christ in light. He said, I am Christ and you will have a beautiful daughter. 
At the time, she was eight months pregnant, and a month later, she received news. I mean, she had a beautiful daughter. About the same time, the husband had a dream, too. He saw Jesus Christ. He was dressed in white, and he said to me, I'm your Savior. You follow me. She says, we're afraid now. Both Amir and Rasha made a bold decision after these dreams. We decided to follow him, and we named our baby Christina. I ask you the question that they were asked in their dream, or on behalf of Christ, he asked them that question in a dream, and he asked us that same question today. Will you follow me? And if you've responded to that invitation to follow Jesus Christ, I ask you the same thing that I asked the two young men that I talked to this morning who were baptized, and that I'll ask a lot of others uh, from time to time in our Christian faith, and that is, what is the next step in your Christian journey. If you've chosen to follow Christ, if you're walking with him, then what is that next step for you? For these two young men this morning, it was baptism. It could be church membership. It could be, uh, for some of you that haven't joined, it could be plugging into a Bible study. It could be serving in some way that um, you know you, God is leading you to serve, but you just haven't spoken with the right person yet and plugged into that area of service. And so number one, I ask you the question that Christ asked us. He's asking all of us today, will you follow me? But again, I feel like he's also asking us today, what is that next step in our Christian journey? He could reveal it in a dream. I hope he does. But uh, I hope this has given you something to chew on, something to think about, maybe have conversations about. We don't often talk to uh, a lot of people about our dreams. It's maybe more so family or people because we don't, maybe don't trust everybody with something very personal to us. But have you chosen to follow Christ? And if you have, what is that next step for you that you're willing to do in service and commitment to him? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the, all the significant things that have taken place in this service today. God, we opened with tism, we sang, we, um, we prayed, we had children's sermon, we commissioned 10 to go to Guatemala. And Lord, I ask for your blessings on those 10 and for that trip. Lord, we've, we've sang, we've prayed again, we've read your word, we've talked about these, this mysterious thing called dreams today. And God, I pray that you would continue to speak to me and to each of us through our dreams. And Lord, help us to look at scripture in light of our dreams and to see if, if you are in genuinely communicating something to us. But Lord, as we think about what it is to follow you, we're grateful for these and for the Islamic faith that are coming to know you through dreams. And Father, we continue to pray that you would speak to them and draw people not only in the Middle East to you, but Lord, that you would do that here in Boiling Springs, North Carolina as well, that you would draw us in a closer relationship with you. Help us to know today what that next step is, God. Speak to us. Speak to us as we stand and sing. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you desire to make a commitment to follow Christ, the invitation is extended to you. If you're here today and you want to take that next step, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that, what that could look like. The altar is open. If you desire church membership as well, we encourage you to come. Let's stand and sing, Be Thou My Vision, hymn number 71. Let's stand together.
you'll remain standing just for a moment, I'm going to ask Stephen Thomas if he'll come up here. Stephen comes today desiring membership here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. His parents are, I know Brooke and um, Todd. His parents are Brooke and Todd Callahan and Doris and Steve Callahan, um, grandparents. Um, but Stephen Thomas comes today having put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, having been baptized and desiring membership at Bowling Springs Baptist. What is the pleasure of the church? All right. If all in favor would raise your hand. Wave at him. All right. All like son. Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist, Stephen. And uh, Brayden, if you'll come up here. Brayden is Brooke and I get that they're both Brooks, but Brooke and Brad, uh, parents. And uh, we are glad that um, Brayden has been a part of us here at Bowling Springs Baptist and Wanda, uh, Wanda back there. And yeah, grandma and grandpa are back there. And so we are, uh, we are excited about what God's doing in, in Brayton's life and what is the pleasure of the church as far as Brayton uh, coming to be a member at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. All right. And all those in favor, if you raise your hand, wave at him. All right. Any like sign? Brayton, welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist. And again, I've talked with the parents today and would say again in front of the whole church, we are trying to work out a time for a lot of these kids to uh, how we can help them grow and some time to do that this fall and learn more about what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so we rejoice with these two young men and their families, and I know you'll want to do that after the service to come by and shake their hand. And so we in invite you and encourage you to do that. It's been a good day today. Amen. Uh, men, thank you. You got some new faces over here, guys. I'll introduce myself, I guess, after the service. We're glad you're here today. We appreciate you sharing with us. We got a group going to Guatemala. We baptized. We've talked about dreams. You can't make this stuff up. Um, <laughs> But uh, we are excited about you being here today. Take a moment not only to speak to these, but to speak to others before you leave today. And thank you, Ellen, for reminding me of these. Um, Stephen Thomas, we want to present you with a baptism certificate, but also a new Bible. So there you go, Stephen Thomas, we want to give you that. And then for Brayden as well, a baptism certificate and a Bible. And so we look forward to uh, helping you guys grow in your faith. Take a moment, like I said, and speak to someone else before you leave today. I'm going to close now with this benediction. And following the benediction, these guys are going to usher us out today. So thank you, men. God, we love you. And we thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help uh, your light to shine through our lives in such a way that others may be drawn to you. Help us to follow you and help us to be willing to take that next step in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye, baby.